On this episode of New Grad to ICU, we're going to be talking about one thing that you will only see in the ICU, arterial lines. Hey guys, this is Sean from the Nurse Dose Podcast, and today we are going to be going over one of the things that you will most likely only see in an ICU. I mean, you can see it in a PACU, you can see it post-op. Um, you can see it during codes if you have a code on the floor, but for the most part, you will only see arterial lines in the ICU. Now, what exactly is an arterial line? So if you have gone through your critical care rotations yet, you probably know what an A-line is. Um, it is a catheter, usually a 20-gauge catheter that is actually inserted much like an IV into a artery. So it is not going into a vein, it is going into an artery. And this does several things for us. It will allow us to measure the patient's blood pressure with each beat of the heart. So the blood pressure is updating with each beat. So that is really good for us. It's almost like a real-time blood pressure and it allows us to titrate our medications more effectively than if you were just using a cuff pressure. Having an arterial line even lets you set up some advanced monitoring systems. And if you've been listening to my podcast before or watching my TikToks, you know that I am a fan of the FlowTrack. And the FlowTrack is just a special transducer, which we will talk about later, that um, allows for you to get cardiac output, cardiac index, stroke volume, um, stroke volume variation on just an arterial line. So having all this information available to you just because you put a catheter into an artery. So it is very good to get an artery if you need some kind of monitoring like that. It's not just for blood pressure. Um, and then also the third reason why an arterial line is great to have is because it allows you to draw blood um, from something that's not going to um, give out as easily as like an IV and um, it really allows for ease of blood draws. Um, now, there is different policies in different hospitals. Some hospitals will not allow you to draw blood from an arterial line, and that is just up to the policy. So I'm not telling you to go out and do it. You have to check your policy, check with your unit, check with your manager, do all that before you do that. But for the most part, a lot of people use them for ease of blood draws especially if you are getting serial ABGs, which is an arterial blood gas. So with this catheter being in the artery, it's so easy to get ABGs now. Um, and you don't have to have either RT sticking the patient in the artery to get arterial blood. And um, a lot of the times the nurses are allowed to draw this blood to get these ABGs. Okay, so now we know that a arterial line is basically just a catheter that goes into an artery. But how do we get it to show us the blood pressure on our monitors? Now, your unit should have some kind of arterial line kit, and this usually will just have the lines that will go to the catheter. A lot of the times these uh, kits don't actually have the needle and the catheter that goes in. 
Those are usually some extra things that you have to get as well. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a second when we talk about how to help the doctor insert or whoever's putting it in. Because I know that there are some RTs and some pick nurses and maybe even some um, nurses that will put in A-lines. But um, we'll get to that later. But these kits will come with the transducer tubing, the transducer um and uh, anything else that you might need for uh, the connection of the uh, catheter to this line. Um, now you will also need some kind of flush solution and this is usually gonna be normal saline. Um, now it, this is another thing that it is up to your unit, up to your policy as to what you put into it, um, but it will most likely be normal saline. Um, and that is going to be on one side of the tubing. So you're going to have a spike that you will spike into this uh, bag. And this is going to act as the pressure tubing because you need some pressure um, to be pushing against the uh, catheter and against the inherent blood pressure that's going to be pushing back into the catheter. Otherwise, you will have blood that will just come up into the line and you will have a bad time. So down from the bag to the transducer to transducer is going to be the little plastic part where these two ends meet and then it'll have like a little pigtail that you can pull. So from the bag down to the transducer uh, will be some like soft tubing. It's, it's malleable, it's um, flexible. So this is going to be the tubing that goes down into the transducer. It doesn't have to be rigid or anything like that. But then from the transducer down to the catheter, it'll be a hard line. And this is going to be less flexible, more rigid. And that is to allow for a more accurate blood pressure. Because if you have a line that is flexible, that is malleable, um, that you can you know bend pretty easily, it's going to give you a um, diminished blood pressure um, because that uh, tubing gives a little. So it's not going to give you the most accurate blood pressure if it wasn't as rigid as it is. So that is why that line is hard. So the hard line always goes into the catheter um, and then up to the transducer. So getting back to the bag of normal saline or whatever you have going into the arterial line, that bag is going to need to be pressurized. And the way we do that is with a pressure bag. And a lot of y'all have probably already seen it. Um, we use pressure bags to um, also rapidly infuse blood products as well. So it's the bags that um, have like a little chamber that you can pull a bag of saline or blood or anything in there. And then you pump it up kind of like a blood pressure cuff and it will give you some pressure. So you wanna make sure that, that um, those have little gauges on the bulbs usually um, that will tell you, or on the lines up to the bag, that will tell you if um, you have enough pressure. There's usually like a green line that says that you're good. Um, so you wanna pump that up to that point. And then um, there's actually a easy way to do this um, if you have an outlet that gives uh, medical air, you know, it's usually a yellow uh, port on the wall. Uh, the bulbs usually have a little hole at the bottom of them. And if you put a Christmas tree on the um, medical air th thing on the wall, you can actually put that onto the bulb and it'll pump it up without you actually having to squeeze the bulb. So that's just a little life hack for you. Um, I used to preach about doing it with the oxygen, but then somebody told me that it's probably not a good idea to have compressed oxygen um, in, in a container like that. So um, especially when you have no idea what families are gonna do in the room when you're gone. 
So um, I would just stick to the medical air, which does not um, have a concentrated amount of oxygen in it. Um, anyway, so you want to have that pumped up um, to adequately have pressure going down to the transducer. So now that we have everything hooked up from the pressure bag down to the catheter, how do you hook it up to the monitor? Now, if you look at the transducer, the next time that you have an arterial line, there is going to be a um, wire type thing coming off of the transducer. And um, it's going to have a female connection at the end. Now that plugs in to your um, monitor via a monitor cable that goes from your monitor down to that transducer cable. It'll be, um, most people call them like pressure lines or um, they'll, they'll call them like an arterial line kind of thing that um, will hook up to the monitor. Most monitors are different, so you're just gonna have to either go to your in-service about how to do it or ask somebody to show you, but that is how you connect it to the monitor. It's from that gray little wire that comes off the transducer um, and it will hook up to your monitor via a, a cable that comes with the monitor. Now, something that I should have stated earlier was how to uh, prime this tubing that you have. So you're going to um, hook up your normal saline to the one end or whatever you're doing. And then you're gonna put it in the pressure bag. You're going to pump it up to the necessary pressure and you're gonna make sure you have some, um, some of that chamber filled. You don't wanna fill it all the way, but you know, just like you have for a normal drip. And um, what a lot of people like to say, and how I was taught initially, was you wanna burp the bag of uh, fluid that you were hooking up to it. So that means um, you wanna get as much air as you can out of the bag that is, um, that has the fluid that is going to be going through the line. Um, so the way that I used to do it um, is you kind of hold it upside down, um, get that air to the top where you know the ports are, and a lot of these bags will have that um, other uh, little stem that comes off that you can put a needle in to take out, you know, fluid or inject fluid. And um, how I was taught was to do that, and then. Um, use a needle with a syringe to take out the air that way. Um, you can also do it uh, by opening, you can use the spike to open up the bag, take out the spike, and then kind of push out the air that way as well. That's another good way of doing it. That does not include needles. Um, so as many times as you cannot use needles um, to prevent any sticks, that is the best thing to do. And like I said, this is another thing that's going to be unit specific and policy specific. So always follow your hospital policy. Um, so once you get all the air out, you're going to um, put it in the, uh, in the pressure bag, pump it up. You're going to have the spike already in it since you've burped it and now it's open. Um, you're going to make sure you have the chamber at least half full. Um, and then you're going to notice that the um, fluid is not going anywhere. And the tubing should not be connected to anything. It should be, you know, free tubing. It's, it's obviously not connected to the catheter at this point, but the way that you get the fluid to go through all that tubing down to the end, and um, you want to make sure there's no air bubbles, is you have to um, go down to the transducer and that blue pigtail that's sticking out of it, you want to pull it. 
And every time you pull it, it's going to allow for the fluid to freely go through. And since it's pressurized at one end, it's going to go fast. So you don't absolutely need to have it pressurized, but it helps go through the line a lot quicker. And now I'm just going to reiterate, you want to make sure all the air bubbles are out of the line because you really do not want to um, have any bubbles that go into the artery because it could easily cause um, an air embolism. So that is one thing that you really want to make sure about, um, especially if you are um, flushing the line or if you are drawing blood, you want to make sure that you keep as you want to keep all the air out of the line. So um, that is a big thing for you to keep in mind. So now that we know how to set up an arterial line um, and connect it and connect it to the monitor, what is our role as a nurse when helping whoever is putting in the arterial line? What should we do and what can we expect from the provider that is putting in the arterial line? So um, a lot of the times, uh, and this is de dependent on your unit and your policy and your hospital, blah, blah, blah. Um, a lot of the times this is done sterilely and, you know, which always kind of, um, was really qu questionable to me because how different is it from putting in a, um, IV? I mean, I know it is an artery, so it is somewhat different, but, um, it just, that was always a question that I had and something that I might research a little bit more just to see if there is any indication for that. But um, a lot of the times doctors and um, you know anyone putting it in will try and be as sterile as possible. So this includes sterile gloves. Um, they'll usually have some type of sterile OR towel, you know, the, the blue towels, um, just to make like a little square on the wrist. And uh, it is really dependent on where they are going to put in the arterial lines. There are several places that you can put it. You can put it in the radial aspect of the wrist. Um, you can put it uh, brachially, which is more up the forearm. Um, you can put it axillary, uh, which is like in the armpit. Um, then you can do a femoral A-line, which will go in the femoral artery in the groin. And then you can also do it on top of the foot. And this is actually really popular with pediatrics uh, for whatever reason. I am not a pediatric nurse, so um, I don't know the reason for that. I'm guessing that it's a lot harder to get one of these lines in um, the upper extremities. So that is that. And it's actually pretty cool. You can... Um, what I used to do is play a game with myself to see if I could guess where the arterial line was based on what the waveform looked like. So what you'll see is that the farther away that you get from the heart, the more or the less um, defined the dichrotic notch gets. So if you have a less defined dichrotic notch, you're probably farther away from the heart, which like if you don't have any dichrotic notch, then um, you are probably down in the dorsalis pedis on the foot. Um, you'll also see the farther away you get from the heart, the more spiked your systolic um, waveform is going to be. And that, from what I understand, is due to peripheral vascular resistance. And, you know, the more resistance you have, you know, you have a longer tube if you are farther away from the heart. So there's going to be more resistance and you're going to have a steeper systolic waveform. Now, back to what we were originally talking about. So the provider will have all these things. Um, and we're just going to talk about like if we are putting it into the radial artery on the wrist. And what a lot of people will like to do is have a uh, bedside table 
brought up to the patient and they like to have the arm on this table. And now what some people will do and what I've seen a lot is they will put some kind of roll underneath the patient's wrist and then um, super extend the wrist so that the radial artery is very prominent in that wrist. Um, and they'll, they'll bend the head, the hand back. And what they will sometimes do is even tape the hand, um, to the table, um, in order to keep it secured. And then they will put, then they'll get sterile and put their sterile, uh, towels on top and leave a little area exposed, um, where they are going to puncture. Uh, so a lot of people can do this by feel, they can feel where the artery is and then stick it that way. And, um, a lot of people for normal arterial lines will use something called an arrow, which is a needle catheter combo that is in a long, narrow, um, packaging that, um, allows for a guide wire once the arterial is punctured to be inserted in and allow for this long 20 gauge catheter to go over it. Um, so that's what an arrow is. And I usually grab, you know, two to three, depending on my confidence in the person putting it in. Um, this is absolutely something you do not want to waste because these are expensive. So, um, and then depending on the confidence of the provider putting it in, they might be using, um, just feel, or they might be using an ultrasound. And if they're using an ultrasound, they should be using an ultrasound cover to keep it all sterile. So that is something else that you're going to want to uh, keep in mind if they are doing that. So as the provider is putting in the catheter into the artery, you wanna make sure that your lines are already um, set up and uh, it is already primed and good to go because once they get it in then they withdraw the um, guide wire, that thing is going to be shooting out blood. Um, a lot of people will put their thumb over it or try to occlude the artery to uh, decrease it, but you want to be able to get that line to the provider as quickly as possible so that they could connect it and see if they have a good waveform. Um, from that point, it's kind of up to whoever put it in, if they're going to suture it in or if they're just going to tape it in. Of course, everyone loves it when it's sutured, but it is uncomfortable for the patient, especially if it's in the wrist. That is a very sensitive area. Um, so there is that issue as well. Um, but you want to make sure that it is properly secured. If it's on the wrist, what we usually do is have the line go up and around the thumb, but you want to make sure that it's not actually making contact with the skin of the thumb, um, because it could cause pressure injuries, irritation injuries. Um, but it does allow for a good, uh, securement of the line that is, um, more distal to the thumb, uh, because it's not bending 90 degrees at that hub. So, uh, that is why we do that. And we use, um, depending on your unit, you could use the chlorhexidine, um, patches to put over it. Uh, do not recommend using the ones like the gels, because if you pull it off, it might pull the, the whole line out. So it, it's just up to your unit policy, but, um, and then you'll have a tegaderm that goes over that. And then you want to reinforce it if you think it is um, necessary and you want to be able to see the insertion sites of this catheter because you want to make sure that it is not bleeding because once it does start bleeding, it, it will bleed profusely. So you want to make sure that you can see that as well as see all the connections. And you obviously do not want to tape down the connection site or the hub because God forbid it come off and then you have a hard time getting anything back onto that site. 
So that is the insertion in a nutshell, very brief overview. There's a lot of caveats and um, difference, differences in different ways of putting it in. Like if it's going into a femoral artery, it is a more involved process um, that will need a um, ultrasound because you're going very deep into the groin and you wanna make sure that you are puncturing the right site. Now that is a very good overview of what an arterial line is and what we use it for and how it's inserted. Um, but I wanted to talk about what is becoming more and more popular with arterial lines. And that is what we will use to um, get the blood in a more sterile fashion um, instead of hooking up a, uh, a, a syringe every time to the hub. Uh, or to the uh, stopcock that is very proximal to the insertion site. So a lot of places nowadays will have something called a VAMP, and that is a vascular access mini port. Um, if you look at the actual arterial line, you might see some um, tan or cream colored like silicone pads that are either you know, pretty proximal to the insertion site or distal closer to the transducer. And these are places where uh, needles or, um, you know, the blunt needles can penetrate into it to uh, get a sample of blood. And they also have like these blunt access ports that you can connect to a um, vacuum tanner port that will allow you to easily draw labs um, to the tube directly. Um, but what we use to get that blood sterilely um, out of the catheter is a VAMP, uh, the, the vascular access mini port. And um, what these are, are these uh, little enclosed systems. Some of them look like a syringe and others look like a little accordion um, that allow you to pull it back and draw the blood into it just internally all through the same system. There's no external syringe coming in. And this is something that I can't really teach you how to use on this platform because it really does differ from device to device. And um, it's just very hard to show without any visual representation. So it is something you'll have to get somebody to show you how to use your unit specific one. But if you have these, this is what you want to use because it will prevent any infections. It'll prevent any complications from opening the stopcock and you know, getting air into it, God forbid. So um, these are really great devices, but I just wanted to put it out there in case y'all um, come across them and you're like, I have never seen what this is. I have no idea what this is. So now you do, and they are great and I love them. They make it so easy to draw blood from these lines if you are available to, or if you are allowed to. Okay, and to end us off, I'm going to talk about what everybody loves about arterial lines and what we should be doing at least once a shift is zeroing the A-line. And so what does it mean to zero an A-line? Um, so this is the practice of zeroing the uh, pressure to the normal atmospheric pressure of the location that you are in. So um, the way that you do this is you go to your transducer and you would turn the stopcock to a place where it is off to the catheter and you will take the little uh, the cap off 
and allow for a little bit of water to drip out. Um, so you want to make sure that you're turning the stopcock in the correct direction because otherwise blood's going to back up into the line. And if, if you do not monitor it, it, the blood could be spilling out that port. So you want to make sure that you're turning it off to the catheter off to the patient. And, um, so when you turn it off correctly to the patient, then you're going to have the system open to, um, the atmospheric pressure and the transducer is going to be um, exposed to it. And basically what you will do is once your transducer is in that position, you will go to your monitor and there should be an option to hit, um, zero the a line and once you zero it you will um you know hear some beeps but you should see a zero pop up on the monitor and that means that you have zeroed it now when should you zero it um this is going to be important to do um like i said every shift you want to do it if there is and this is going to sound crazy if there's any crazy weather coming in you want to zero it as well because atmospheric pressure can change um, and then you want to change it or you want to zero it if you are going from um, different elevations. So let's say that you're at the top of your hospital and your hospital is like 10 floors and you go down to the bottom floor. Um, that is a time when you would want to try and re-zero it because it doesn't sound like it's a big deal, but that could affect your numbers. Um, and then one other thing that I totally forgot to mention, but it is one of the most important things. Um, is transducer location relative to the patient. Now, for you to get a accurate blood pressure reading, you want to make sure that the transducer is lined up with the flebostatic axis. And this is basically, um, you can think of it as the armpit of the patient, but it is going to be basically where the heart is located in the patient. So if you raise the patient's bed up, or you put them down, um, you want to make sure you're moving the uh, transducer with the patient. So if your transducer is lower than the flubostatic axis, you are going to have a higher blood pressure. It's not going to be the true blood pressure because it's not at the axis, but it's going to show a higher blood pressure. Now, if you have it, if you have the transducer above the flubostatic axis, it's going to show you a lower blood pressure. It's not true. But um, just because it is above the phlebostatic axis, that is where you are going to have a lower blood pressure if it is above. Um, so what I encourage all of y'all to do is look up on Google, look up phlebostatic axis, and it'll or axis, and it'll show you um, where it is. And that is something you want to keep in mind when you are leveling these transducers. Anyways, um, that is pretty much all I have for y'all on um, arterial lines, transducers, how they're inserted, what we use them for, and all that jazz. Um, I know at the end, I kind of got some things that I forgot to mention probably in the first part of it, but hopefully it all makes sense to y'all. I hope it's not too jumbled up. But um, if y'all have any questions, my uh, DMs are always open on my Instagram. It is at Nurse Dose Podcast. Um, and, and I, um, and also on TikTok, so you can go on there, same name as well. Um, if y'all have gotten anything out of this podcast, the reviews help so much. And actually I want to get on here and give a shout out to the people that gave me some reviews on Apple podcasts. So the first one I want to talk about is from... 
B Fred H P U. I probably did not say that right at all. Um, so thank you for the review, man. Uh, or woman, <laughs> uh, they said, I have been searching for a podcast from a fellow CVICU nurse for a while. As a newer nurse, I am constantly seeking to learn and sometimes hearing things stated in a different manner is helpful. Keep it up, Sean. Thank you so much for that feedback. I really appreciate it. Um, and then another one from Maui one, Maui one, um, saying, I get a lot of information by you. Thank you. I enjoy this podcast and love to learn from it. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, and then one more that I wanted to shout out is from music man, one, one, two, zero. Um, this, uh, this review is what got me to start these, uh, new grad, uh, to ICU, um, episodes. So, uh, he said, I'm starting as a new grad in the ICU next month. And this podcast has made that prospect a bit less scary, which it, it is scary, but listen to these podcasts and I'm, I promise you it'll help you out. Um, I really appreciate the wisdom and advice they offer. Wish there was a one-on-one series within this podcast on need to know stuff for new grads going into ICU. So here you go, music man. This whole series is for you and because of you. So thank you so much for that review and that suggestion. Um, like I said, guys, I take your suggestions very seriously and um, I it helps me out if I am ever in a slump with, <laughs> with any ideas that I um, am trying to come up for, for the podcast. So anyways, I really appreciate y'all. Thank you for all the support. Um, Like I said, if you have any questions, go to my Instagram, send me a DM. They're always open. But other than that, I will talk to y'all later. Bye.